Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, it's Turbo Time! Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. Tis the season to be jolly. So what better film to represent our joy than Jingle All the Way? Arnold's unabashed parody of the hopeless commercialism of Christmas. Before we get started, put that cookie down and introduce yourself, Captain Cash. Hey, everybody. I'm back and now with a new mic. How's it going? And as always, hailing from parts unknown, Booster. I mean, Chumzilla. Oh, that hurts. That hurts. Howdy, folks. Happy holidays. I hope everybody's doing well. And you sound fantastic, Captain Cash. Yes, much better. I'm here to tickle your ear holes. Also, uh, if Chumzilla is Booster, I swear to you, I will build a Turbo Man cosplay. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be great. I'm in on this. You're, You're Dementor, clearly. All right, fine. Can I be one of like the little uh, green, green, red, or yellow the guys? Ninja Squad. Yeah. <laughs> Can I be Ted's reindeer? <laughs> uh, so points of order. You can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at Hops and Bo Flops. You can find myself at Writer TLK and Captain Cash. Where can they find you? At C A P T C A S H on most of your social media. So this movie, for those who are foolhardy enough to have not yet seen it, is available for free on HBO and just 99 cents on YouTube. And since this is a Christmas-themed movie, what are we drinking tonight, Captain Cash? Tonight we have the Festivus Spiced Brown Ale from the Full Pint Brewing Company here in beautiful North Versailles, Pennsylvania. Okay. Versailles, Versailles. I don't know. I live in Pittsburgh. Probably Versailles. It, it's Versailles everywhere except for the Midwest. Mm. Mm. It's yeah. tasty though. I mean, it's it's not it's nutty. It's spicy. It's an appropriate thing for airing of grievances uh, and or feats of strength. It's a holiday for the rest of us. This podcast is not over until one of you pins me. That's how Festivus works. <laughs> Challenge accepted. All right, so let's hit our turbo jets and get this thing going. Jingle All the Way, which is not the norm for this pod, actually made money, uh, but it was also panned by critics. To the point of the former, it grossed around $130 million on a budget of 60 uh, To the latter, it sits wow. just 15% on Rotten Tomatoes, with an equally abysmal user score of 38%. 38% seems deserved. So to the people that saw this and love it, like myself, I applaud you. To the critics and fans who panned it, you are now on Santa Thor's naughty list. I apologize. Not a good place <laughs> to be. Uh, I was Santa Thor a couple weekends ago. I gave out candy. Come find me on Instagram, everyone. Yep. Candy and uh, barrels of Little beer hammers. and uh, trolling on Xbox Live. Lots of gift giving from Santa Thor. This movie is directed by Brian Levant who also directed such tremendous hits as Beethoven 2, The Flintstones, Snow Dogs, and The Spy Next Door. I think you can probably get a hint of some of the smaltz factor in this movie based upon <laughs> its shared uh, And let's not leave out his uh, Travolta Month connection here. He also directed Little Giants. Yeah. That is quite a pedigree. Starting a pedigree. our good friend uh, Devin Sawa. That's right. Junior. First of all, Little Giants rules. So that's kind of the anomaly of the bunch. Well, this too, because this movie's also awesome. Starring Arnold, Jamie Schwarzenegger, Jake, <laughs> now this is pod racing, Lloyd, Rita, Mrs. David S. Pumpkins Wilson, Sinbad, I only have one name, Sinbad, and Phil, you were taken from us far too soon, Hartman, R.I.P. This was one of his last films. 
And he is tremendous in it. Here is the movie's description according to IMDb. A father vows to get his son a Turbo Man action figure for Christmas. However, every store is sold out of them, and he must travel all over town and compete with everybody else in order to find one. How would you find gentlemen describe this film in one sentence? In one sentence, I would call this film fodder for Conan O'Brien for like 10 years. <laughs> that The whole reason I even knew what this movie was prior to this podcast was when they would do the live by satellite Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it, it would almost always end with, and my perennial holiday classic, Stick It, <laughs> I, I can't even... I can't even watch this film without hearing that in my head the entire time. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> so what you're saying, this is basically the Mac and me of Christmas movies. It is the Mac and me of Christmas movies. Uh, you know what I really want to have happen? I want Arnold to go on Conan and just do that bit. I feel like somebody get Conan on the phone. I think we're about to make, make history. I feel like he would, you know, He's very uh, good humor. Now, yes. Yeah, about his sort of career now. Like he did that thing with James Corden where he did all his movies in five minutes or whatever it was. Which was pretty funny. I'd like to see him just do the bad puns, uh, you know, as, as Mr. Freeze. I would take that. I forget how many puns were in that movie, but it was something just astronomical. Yeah. Uh, Chumpzilla, how would you describe this movie in one sentence? Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger stars in a low-budget backdoor pilot for Iron Man that failed to hit its mark and is likely the beginning of Jake Lloyd's downfall and turn to the dark side. Yes, that's a, we're going to save that because that is a question coming up. about Bad stuff happened to that kid. In my bad head, for him. In my yeah, head he canon, killed all those uh, younglings. Yeah. In my head canon, his absentee father. He became Darth Vader. How, I mean, that doesn't get any worse than that. So sorry, I, I was I was riffing on I was riffing on Captain Cash's joke there. I would describe it as such: an absentee father, best. an absentee father spends Christmas Eve jostling with a mentally deranged mailman over a doll he should have bought months in advance. Also, the Christmas-inspired sequel to The Rocketeer that nobody asked for or wanted. Ooh, I like that second one. Yeah. This this movie takes a real hard left turn in the third act where I'm like, what the hell am I watching? It gets a little nuts. <laughs> so, light plot reflection. Who'd like to lead this? I will defer to one of you, fine gentlemen. I'm not going to take that from you. I know how much you love this film. I'd be remiss as a friend, and it is Christmas, so please. And I would not do it any kind of justice so this is all you mr wizard so literally this movie is all about howard langston a terrible father who forgets to buy his son a turbo man turbo man is sort of a riff on power rangers and it's his son's favorite toy and when he realizes he has forgotten to buy this toy he then goes on the hunt for it on christmas eve and he can find it nowhere because this movie came out in what 1996 so you have to realize this before online shopping or any of that. The whole movie centers around him competing for a Turbo Man with a mailman who is also an idiot and apparently a poor father who did not buy the toy. As played by Sinbad. As played by Sinbad. Uh, their hijinks uh, escalate to levels of silly and often sort of uh, scary proportions because Sinbad's actually probably insane. In the movie. <laughs> there is literally a mail bomb. And then it turns into an actual superhero yeah. fight. I think the the best subplot is Phil Hartman as the horny single parent neighbor who is trying to weasel his way into all the uh, mom's pants in the neighborhood. And he's actually but like... But specifically Arnold's wife. Specifically Arnold's pants. wife. He's a terrible guy. He is the original <laughs> nice guy, isn't he? He's like, yeah. I'm going to bake you cookies and you just rest and I'm going to put up your Christmas lights. Yeah. And it's like, you you are aware that Arnold Schwarzenegger is the person this person is married to, right? You, Yeah, I, like the biggest... He will kill you. And certainly only Austrian bodybuilder in the neighborhood. <laughs> 
Oh my god, that that to me was the worst part about the third act. So the climax of this film, through insane happenstance, Arnold winds up in a life-size Turbo Man cosplay, and he really gets into it. So I feel like Arnold, or at least the character he was playing, is one of my people, and gets into a physical altercation with the mailman dressed up as, what was it, Dementor? Dementor. Turbo Man's nemesis. Yeah. And... This Turbo Man suit literally flies, shoots what some kind of like boomerang. It's not the he, he throws a boomerang. He's got like discs. Something out of yeah, a, yeah, discs out of his wrist, and it just it is so fucking crazy. Just out of <laughs> it really comes out like, of nowhere. <laughs> to this point, the film has played it fairly straight. Like it's a little heightened silliness. But nowhere near the silliness of Arnold now flies around downtown Milwaukee. It's Minnesota. <laughs> Come on, it, it clearly features the Mall of America. This is Minneapolis. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. Minneapolis. You're, you are correct. I confused my cities. So that is sort of the whole culmination. Him battling Sinbad, who's Dementor. Uh, by the way, Booster, played by the great Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. Clint Howard. No, not Clint Howard. It's Booger. Yeah, Ron Howard's brother, Clint. Yeah. Booger from Revenge of the Nerds is, and now I'm going to have to look this up. I forget his name. Oh, man. He looks like Clint Howard, but he's also not balding, so that's the big thing. Uh, Curtis Armstrong. My bad. His uh, joke, if you ever watch this movie on TV, is actually censored out due to its racial insensitivity. What? When he he says, "Where have you been?" I'm sweating like a dog in a Chinese restaurant. That's they take that joke out of TV, yeah, for obvious reasons. I'd also like to mention here that Sinbad has a couple of odd racial comments throughout the movie. Let me just finish my my previous thought as to why this movie is insane. The Turbo Man costume that Arnold puts on has a clear visor over the face, and it's just a helmet. It is very obvious who is wearing this costume. He's a 6'6 bodybuilder with an Austrian accent, and he encounters his wife and child who do not immediately realize it is him. He has to take the helmet off for them to realize Oh, the, the the guy with the funny accent who looks exactly like my father, comma, husband is actually my father, comma, husband. He also refers to the kid by his first name as he pulls yeah. him from the crowd. Jamie. Jamie. I, Turbo Man loves you, Jamie. Let's be clear here. Arnie is not 6'6". Six, six. He's 6'2 oh, in not? shoes. Yeah. He's 6'2 six, six, in yeah. shoes. Either in way. Shoes. Whoever was actually supposed to be Turbo Man had to be a pretty big guy, too. I'm guessing it's the guy yeah, that, no, yeah, from, from Gladiator that's in all of Arnold's movies, except for this one. Yeah. And uh, also, you know, Sinbad's not small either. I mean, he's a pretty big dude. But yes, Arnie is clearly larger than everyone else in his suburban sphere, you know. With the notable exception of the cameo of the huge Santa, as played by the big show. Yeah. Yes. Uh yeah. That there was another subplot where he goes to a counterfeit toy store as run by yeah. Santas, like it's SantaCon, and I'm not gonna lie, I'd want to hang out there. It's Seems a bunch like a of uh, unscrupulous Santas who are basically selling uh, black market merch. Uh, I think this gray market, please gray yeah. market. This movie actually had a pretty big impact on him. He had a lot of fun doing this. Like he improvised a lot of his interplay with Sinbad. And to the point where he just did a holiday toy drive, which he does every year for uh, kids uh, from uh, more impoverished neighborhoods and stuff. And there's a guy dressed as Turbo Man at his toy drive. So I think he looks back on it pretty fondly, like I do. So my question is, why is this film such an enduring Christmas classic? Now, if you don't believe so, you can tell me why you think it's terrible. But regardless, then also share your top scene of the movie. So... Christmas classic. Why or why not? It it is it's a Christmas classic, but it's a Christmas classic in the sense that it is so bad that it is good. It is so completely insane and over the top. And just when you think it's gone fully insane, it goes even fuller insane. 
Uh, it is a live action cartoon and it stars 1996 Arnold Schwarzenegger. It is so phenomenally weird and out of nowhere. I, I, I think what strikes me about this movie the most is that it's got some really good, not only like family movie, but holiday movie DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the director and the producer here, oh, I mean, this fuck, movie, Chris Columbus, right? Home alone, yeah. man. Uh, you know, this movie and, and you know, the director, he had wrote for the Jeffersons, which I, I think explains some of the weird dialogue from sign uh, from Seinfeld, geez, from Sinbad. And uh, he also uh, used to write for Mork and Mindy. So I think there's some quirkiness there. But anyway, yeah, the one of the producers. Mork and Mindy both a spinoff of Happy Days? Yeah. And I think he also did some writing for Happy Days, too. There we go. Which might be the connection. The Jeffersons is a spinoff of, I thought it was All in the Family. It wasn't All, the all in the Family. Either. Yeah, it's All in the Family. Yeah, I knew it was a spinoff. Too. Sorry yeah, out there, yeah, everybody. No, no. But there's some good, I mean, again, good good uh, writing chops there. Uh, yeah, but Chris Columbus, the producer, I mean, he's the director of Home Alone. Who was pro- and that's which the thing was, I thought was weird. And you two, could stick and this two. next to Home Alone and... There's a lot of like weird parallels, like yes, the color grading and the like the suburban neighborhood all kind of looks. And, and guess who the one of the producers for Home Alone was, uh, John Hughes. Uh. So again, there's a lot of a lot of potential here, but I think the movie does make a lot of weird choices. One of which is it focuses so much on Arnold, in, in a way that. It, he's not a great character. You don't see it through the kids' um, view as much. You don't get that childlike uh, perspective. It's all through the adults' vision, and the movie gets weird because the adults aren't good people. Phil Hartman's not a good person. Sinbad's a psychopath, and the whole the whole point of uh, Arnold's character is that he's a workaholic that's not paying attention to his family, and he really never redeems himself like you said his whole final scene was kind of weird he he basically kind of screws up till the very end and then he just gets forgiven so the whole movie is really not about his kid and the holidays it's more about arnold saving his own bacon in the end i kind of wonder if that's why it endures it's something for dads and parents to watch and go look this is dumb and my kids will watch it and i can kind of oh yeah the holidays are stressful and maybe too commercial i think the lesson is that even if you're a terrible parent, things will work out in the end. Don't worry. Somehow, you'll get recruited to play your child's favorite <laughs> character and be on a parade float and engage in a battle of life and death where your son is nearly murdered by a mailman. <laughs> I have three different Spider-Man suits just in case that happens. I think it's yeah. better safe than sorry. Now, I love the movie. I think what is the most fun about it for me is how much fun everybody's clearly having. From cheesy Phil Hartman. There's a moment where he's like, he's way over the top nice the whole time, except for when he makes the final pass at Liz, Arnold's wife. And when he yells at the kids when he burns his his hand on a cookie, it is just vintage Phil Hartman. When when he yells, pipe down in there! He is playing Zap Brannigan, except he's not the captain of a starship. That's what that character is. It's incredible. And my favorite scene, and I really like almost everything until the, the very end gets a little over the top. And now I kind of tolerate it because I've seen the movie so many times. But when they go to the second store, they hear that they're going to have like a Turbo Man lottery. And the, the, the guys are getting overwhelmed. They throw all the rubber balls in the air. And Myron gets ball number two. That's Sinbad. And then they start, you know, the people are hitting him with a purse. And the ball goes bouncing through the Mall of America and Arnold's chasing it. And the little girl gets it. And, he's, and he yells at her from, like, the second balcony. That's my ball! And then he chases her through, like, the ball pit and all that thing. And he gets beat up by all the moms. It's just funny. And it's fun. And it's stupid. And, of course, that leads into the Belushi stuff at the Backdoor Santa. It's just great. I feel like Backdoor Santa is a separate movie. I, I really do. <laughs> yes. I think that could have been the sequel, like... Vern Troyer gets a gets a larger credited role. There was a sequel, Jingle All the Way Two, starring Larry the Cable Guy. Yep. And, Holy uh, fuck, we live in the darkest timeline. And WWE wrestler Santino Morella. Now, I, I think this has to do with the uh, the Big Show connection, right? Could you never know? But Big Show was in uh, WCW at the time, so different. I, 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 
well, I, I think that I think the whole point was I think they had fun doing the movie, and when there was an option for a sequel, that circle of uh, of uh, connections helped make it happen. We're gonna talk about this later because this is not the only Arnold movie to inexplicably get a sequel like twenty years later. There's more. <laughs> you mean like Tar- Terminator Dark Fate? <laughs> hey, you didn't see that, you lazy ass. We enjoyed it. <laughs> it's not my fault it wasn't playing anywhere near me. I would have seen but, it. Hey, that's but it was the only good one of those. I, I would have blamed. I would have blamed <laughs> Salvation. I would. Have, I would have tagged Salvation as the needless sequel. Oh, it certainly was needless. Now, a lot of this movie is a, a basically a riff on some of the more crazy. Uh, toy blitzes of the 80s uh, cabbage patch dolls is referenced specifically of course this came out in the year that tickle me elmo came out right talk about serendipity yeah like you feel like this movie would have done even better given everything that happened but so i'm curious what is one toy from your youth that you remember being like the insane seasonal every kid's gotta have it we might all have very similar answers so i tried to like mix mine up but what what do you think captain cash what was the thing i wanted um i think when i was a kid i wanted ninja turtle toys more than anything and then after that you know i i remember wanting uh i got an nes but i don't know that i ever asked for it because i didn't know that we could afford it (laughs) and and i got one and i I lost my shit because i thought it was great but yeah i mean i was always like man if we could get the, I think I had the the Ninja Turtle sewer playset that I got one Christmas, and I, I thought Ooh. that was super Ooh. cool. Yeah, I, I think the one I remember most distinctly was getting one of those Tyco slot racetracks, the one that had like the loop de loop, uh, and like the section that would go up the wall, like it was a big, uh, big yeah. turn thing. And like my brother and I both wanted that so bad, and we opened all our presents, and it was a big box, so we kind of. You know, knew like, oh, I don't think it's there. I don't see anything big enough. We opened all our presents and we were happy. We got plenty of good stuff. And then my dad goes, hey, why don't you boys go check around the back of the couch? And behind the couch, sure enough, was one last present. And it was a big, long, skinny, flat box. And it was that slot racing set. And, man, we ran the crap out of those cars. Like, that was a lot of fun. Good times. I think it's really tough uh, for me to peg. I know specifically when we did the Ninja Turtles pod, I talked about Ray Filet, and that was the turtle toy that I wanted. I know when I was a kid, my mom bought us Cabbage Patch Kids, but I don't think I necessarily wanted it. She probably just saw that it was the hot item. But I know, like, uh, from when I was in college, the clear answer is the Wii. The Wii, everybody had to have it, and... The demand for that was just batshit insane. And I know for a fact my mom paid far over market value to get that thing on eBay. And then when I got it, I was just so underwhelmed by it. And of course it had Zelda, oh, so I love that. But she like, might listen to this pod. Don't tell her that. But every well, other game it, on the it, Wii was like, oh, this this looks like crap. I was like, I have to use this stupid thing? It wasn't HD. If the Wii had been HD, I think it would have been fine. I mean, the Zelda game... Uh, Twilight Princess, amazing. Twilight game. Princess, fantastic. Yeah. But like, I I remember, I had the controllers in my hand. I'm playing Red Steel. I think that was the name of the game. And I'm like, this is just flat out unplayable. I was like, am I gonna have to stand here like a goober doing this the whole game? Now I ended up like one of my Wii, buddies think, was the uh, spokesman for Red Steel too. Really? That's pretty yeah. funny. You know, I oh, well, he definitely... was cool with us. You guys probably met him, Phil, probably. if you're listening. Don't think I forgot. I mean, the Wii had its moments for sure, but I I do remember the demand for it being just just out of this world. Uh, now, I do have some other questions. These are our serious, but really not so serious questions. At what Seriously. Yeah, but, mm. At what point should Howard Langston, that's Arnold, have realized that Myron may have been, in fact, capable of attempting to assault and or murder his child? I have a clear point in the movie where this becomes obvious. I feel like the point at which he threatens everyone with a bomb, which is not a bomb, and then he threatens everyone with another bomb, which actually is a bomb. Yeah. I mean, that's that's certainly damning. That's not good for the trial. <laughs> yeah, the, the worst part about that is that's not the most insane part of this film. 
this film kind of ratchets up, ratchets up the crazy. Like it can't get crazier than this. It does. It very much does. Yeah, I think I think the whole mail bomb thing is a pretty dark turn, and that's yes. kind of when you're like, okay, now I'm not really sure what Sinbad's capable of, but he's clearly nuts. The yeah. mail bomb so, is also the film's turn from like plausibility into okay, now we're just going super camp because the cop i forget his name but he's sort of the this guy that's arnold's foil throughout the film and he keeps catching him yeah, it's a running gag illegal shit and yeah he gets arnold blown has up and it's, cop, uh, but it's always this yeah. cop and it's like a wily e. coyote thing where the bomb yeah. very looney tunes and, very yeah. slapstick which you given you're given no indication it's been that to this point just you hear an explosion and Arnold is outside the building where it happens and his eyes go real big like oh my god and for like it holds for like two full seconds to let you live with the fact that Simbad might have just killed at least 10 people yeah, before might've... it cuts to the wily e. coyote yeah. blackened face hairs all burnt up and twisted up just the one cop who was holding the bomb yeah, very home alone esque he was on the bomb squad for 10 years, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's entirely possible what actually happened is Harry had an... Wait, Harry? I think I'm confusing true lies. Howard. What was his name? Howard. Howard had an aneurysm in that radio booth, and everything that happened afterward is just his version of... It's just a fever you know, dream, yeah. I mean, It's that's, not a tumor. Yeah. It, except it was. Uh, prop, you know, proposition. A way to look at this, like... Turns out he's knocked out, severely concussed by the blast, and his the rest of the movie he's just in a hospital bed. And he wakes up and he's like, "What's Turbo Man?" Just like Dallas. I Turbo Man. Where's my son? Yeah. And it turns out his son is Darth Vader. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> the younglings. The younglings. Uh, so for me, I think the clear point is when they're all standing in line, and Sinbad starts uh, getting really upset. And he just grabs this woman wearing a fur coat by the neck and starts violently shaking at her, shaking her and screaming at her like an unhinged maniac. I think that was the point to me. Where it's like, maybe don't have a shot with this guy at a diner. That's what it was. Holy shit, it wasn't an aneurysm or a tumor. He was just drinking straight LSD. <laughs> maybe don't share a drink with this guy at a diner. Maybe get as far away from him as humanly possible. It was that it was out of a hip flask. You don't even know what was in that. He assumes it was whiskey. But in reality, it was some kind of psychotropic. He assaulted a 60-year-old woman. That cartoony turn for the, for the third act. And, and that's within like the first five minutes of the movie, right? How early on is that old lady assault? Oh, yeah, that's the on. first time he meets him. That's, yeah. Yeah, like his first interaction with this guy is him assaulting an old lady, then gently like caressing her fur coat and saying, you shouldn't wear fur. Those yeah. are things that happened, everybody. This movie, uh, pretty weird. I mean, uh, yeah, moving on. Question moving number on. two. Who in their right mind felt it was a good idea to equip the Turbo Man suit with actual weapons and a jetpack? Me. Me. Fucking me. If I could do that, I would every time. Well, again, I think this was for pilot. Arnold, he's a workaholic. Got a corporate gig, gets a power suit. I think he was just trying to put his hat in. He's a mattress salesman. Like, I don't, I've seen his house, and I don't know what the cost of living is in Minneapolis. 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 Don't don't ruin my thing here, He must sell a fuck ton of mattresses, I know that. Yeah. Well, you're his number one customer. So in that scene, which we've explained is just utterly ridiculous, there's a lot. And it looks really bad. There's a lot I'm willing to forgive. The jetpack, I'm fine. I'm fine with the jetpack. I'm fine with the turbo boomerang. I'm fine with the little discs he shoots. I'm not fine with Dementor's hand actually being able to detach and punch Arnold in the face. It defies all logic. <laughs> His hand literally comes I feel off. like if you're fine with all those other things, you, you cannot also be fine. No, it's egregious. His hand is yeah. gone. <laughs> well... Um, I will say that the the uh, costumes look relatively decent. The Turbo Man suits. The Turbo Man right. suit, uh, 
which was equipped with fans, by the way, because it was apparently very hot. I think he looks. I mean, he looks pretty good for a 1996, and no worse than the than uh, the Phantom with Billy Zane. That's for sure. And not to mention, it, it really it's not a major major part of the movie until the, the third act, you know. And, yeah. and even then, it really gets a limited amount of screen time, other than the bad flying around business. It was it was right. So did the villain's costume, Mastermind or whatever. I guess supposed to be Mojo Jojo, whatever. Mojo <laughs> Jojo. Okay. It was not Mojo Jojo. It was Dementor. Yeah, whatever. So Captain Cash uh, referenced the big show, Paul White, as the gigantic, unscrupulous Santa, who for some reason was shirtless. Literally credited as, as huge Santa. Yeah. So better appearance on this pod by a former pro wrestler. Kevin Nash is the Russian. Uh, we could also throw in uh, the Professor Toru Tanaka in The Perfect Weapon, which you guys weren't on that episode, but he was a pro wrestler, or The Big Show. Uh, I love The Punisher, and I love Thomas Jane, so I'm going to give it to Kevin Nash. Also, The Punisher was a much better movie than this. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it to Where's Waldo on this one. That makes it a clean sweep, because no disrespect to The Big Show, he could clearly deck all of our halls, but Nash wins it here in a runaway the 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 Russian scene is just too friggin' awesome not to award that victory to him. Close. Uh, so obviously you're you're discounting Ready to Rumble. It's not in the running. No, because that's that is a wrestling centric movie. That's all pro wrestlers. So cool, like, cool. Yeah, and they're, to get that in there and they're mostly the themselves. Toru Tanaka did have a knife yeah, belt and a perfect weapon. That, there's a lot of big points for that. Now this is our biggest question. Is Howard's poor parenting directly responsible for the slaughter of the younglings at the Jedi Temple? Now, I have a very convoluted and ridiculous explanation for this, so I'll let you two lead off. That's a hard yes for me. Here's what I have to say about that. Anakin Skywalker made his own decisions. He made his own decisions. His father clearly loved him. Went to ridiculous lengths, even if he wasn't the best dad, he still wanted to do right by his son. And Anakin murdered for love, which is a terrible message to send. It's not a great one, no. I have to disagree here. I think that uh, Howard's actions in this movie are less about the love of his son, more about trying to save face with his wife. Till Hartman from banging his wife. I, yeah, yeah, I think he's pretty selfish in this movie. I, I honestly think, again, that's one of the faults I have with it. It doesn't really capture the kid's perspective, and it's all about the dad. And I don't see him really growing as a person. No, that no, that that's entirely fair, actually. So, so I actually think that that his son grows to resent him and goes on to become Darth Vader. Uh, counterpoint. This is the start. I think they couldn't focus on Jake Lloyd because, as we saw with the prequels, Jake Lloyd cannot act. Uh, oh, yeah. he, he's actually yeah, not, bad in this too. Yeah. Now I'm still not gonna bag on a ten year old kid. He's no Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, I am in agreement with Chumpzilla. And and here's why. So let me explain. So Jamie had a rotten run of luck. Seeing his dad as Turbo Man had curbed some of that. But there is an after credit scene to this movie. I don't know why, but there is. Howard's wife, Liz, asks him what he got for her. He then looks at the camera, panicked, because obviously he didn't get her anything. Now, what we didn't see when the film closes, curtains, is the inevitable blow-up when she found out that Howard had gotten her nothing. Zip, zero, nada. Their divorce and her subsequent mentally abusive marriage to Ted, the neighbor, led to Jamie's running away. For years, he was a highwayman, a drifter. He made his way to a remote and desolate desert town where he was sold into slavery. And thus, it led him down the dark path. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. He never got over his father's selfish ways. And when he sat down to ask his mentor, Palpatine, how he could get that turbo man, he told him, there are ways of securing a Turbo Man that some may consider unnatural. <laughs> and Darth Vader was Is it born. possible to obtain this Turbo Man? Yeah. Not a way a Jedi would tell you. Yeah. So I, I think it, in my head canon, this is how it happened. 
Here's my thing. Any kid with a room as sweet as Jake Lloyd's room in this movie, come on. Come on, get your shit together, kid. I did. Uh, I looked at my wife during that scene. I go, you know that's Captain Cash's room, right? <laughs> she goes, really? I go, no, not really. Not my kid's room. That's just actually my room. It's a five-foot mural of Captain America and the Hulk. And a Hulk mask. Which is, which is awesome. Well, I, I'd like to point out this, mo- this movie does have probably, I would give it a top, top 10, 80s, 90s kids' rooms. Like that room's pretty sweet. I mean, there's some good ones. You've got E.T. You've got um, Princess Bride. The Princess Bride. That's a solid one. Secret Wars toys in that one. Big fan. I'd say this is up there with some of those. Like the ridiculous 80s, 90s kids room that's just insane. It's a solid kids room. Yeah, good for product placement. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, I have a few interesting things about the movie. Not a lot because it's going to lead us right into our Nobody Likes You Booster Jingle All The Way challenge poor booster hello and welcome back to hops and box office flops presented by revenge of the fans.com this is our christmas spectacular jingle all the way a couple of interesting things about this movie chris parnell if you recognize him of snl fame this is his first film role He's one of the asshole store clerks who laughs at Howard when he asks if they have any Turbo Man dolls left. Is the other jerk clerk one of the Mad TV cast members? Uh, isn't he the... Yeah, I think he is, yeah. Is that, is that the guy that played Stuart, like the... I think it is, but I... Mentally you know, challenged kid? I couldn't find it listed in the credits, but I swear that's him with Chris Parnell. I think it might be, but okay. I'm not going to say yes or no. But okay. I think you're right. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. In March 2001, a U.S. District Court jury in Birmingham, Michigan, ruled that 20th Century Fox stole the script idea, Jingle All the Way, from a Detroit high school biology teacher, Brian Webster. They were ordered to pay him $19 million, which was later reduced to $1.5 million. Webster had submitted the script, then named Could This Be Christmas, to the studio in 1994, and never received payment nor credit despite the film making all the money that did. Uh, Fox appealed, and it was basically overturned. So yeah. Which sucks. Yeah. Because it probably was his idea, and uh, as it generally happens, this, the people with more money win the court decision. <laughs> uh, I'll add that this makes now two weeks in a row that we deal with movies, or at least franchises, that had uh, some legal challenges related to the source material because the Terminator also faced some challenges early on. And there were actually, there was some payouts there, not substantial, but there was some money exchanged to uh, to settle that. Stealing the idea from the outer limits, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. The Uh, the lesson here, kids is copyright your shit. Uh, Yes. Get it Uh in writing. Even if it's intellectual property, get it in writing. Uh, last one, Vern Troyer, I mentioned he has an uncredited role as the shortest Santa. He gets punched basically a hundred feet across the warehouse by the big show. (laughs) Now, I hope you two are ready because the nobody likes you booster jingle all the way challenge is pretty tough. Pretty tough. If I do say so, are you ready? Number one. This other savvy Christmas time veteran actor was considered for the role of Myron. Myron Larrabee. Is it A. Chevy Chase, B. Dennis Leary, C. Joe Pesci, or D. Randy Quaid? Joe Pesci. Final answer. Randy Quaid. It is Joe Pesci. Uh, Randy Damn. Quaid seems like the logical choice because he's actually insane. Maybe that's also been, true. Maybe that would have been typecasting. Should we check on cousin Eddie? Is he is he doing all right? I mean, it's that you time of year. He, he's not doing okay. You can't really check on cousin Eddie. He's kind of like a yeti. He just kind of appears, a sasquatch in the mist, and then off yeah. he goes. So Joe Pesci Fair was enough. the choice of producer Chris Columbus, but the studio felt that at five three, he was too short next to Arnold. That's how Sinbad uh, became considered. He nearly missed out on the role because he missed his audition because he was doing an appearance with First Lady Hillary Clinton 
and musician Cheryl Crow on the USO tour of Bosnia. So if that doesn't date this film, I don't know what does. No, wait a minute. Hold on. We've got documented film evidence of Arnold acting with the much shorter Danny DeBito, and they were worried about Joe Yeah, Pesci. but that's the shtick of that movie, is that it's so inconceivable that they're twins. It had to be ridiculous looking. But but it worked. I'm just saying. It's, it wasn't like... Yeah, a, but these two get into like physical yeah, jostling I confrontations. Mean, like... Joe Pesci's a point where Arnold is taking on a person that is a full foot shorter than him. And uh, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. DeVito's four ten. He's five inches shorter than Joe Pesci. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. (laughs) I concede. I concede. All right. So we had number two, which was true or false. In two thousand four, Jingle All the Way was released. You guys know that, but for double bonus. As I mentioned earlier, now this is a callback, what other Schwarzenegger classic comedy earned a straight-to-DVD sequel and who starred in it? I'm giving you no choices. Now, because you can think about Arnold's comedy movies, there's not that many of them. So which one earned a sequel? Who starred in it? Kindergarten Cop. And... I don't have a... I don't have who starred in it. He's a, he's a frequent uh, mention on the pod. We often talk about this actor. Thomas Jane. TJ, I know with you, baby. Uh, I, oh, it, it is Kindergarten Cop, though. It is, is Kindergarten it? Cop. Yeah. Oh, I was throwing okay. a Hail Mary. Kindergarten Cop. Oh. I, I'm dying here. I, first I of all, I didn't know give you guys a hint. video sequel here. I will give okay. you a hint. He starred in one of our films, an 80s film based on a beloved toy property. Dolph Lundgren. Bingo. Really? Dolph Lundgren is the star of Kindergarten Cop 2. I didn't even know that was a thing. That, that's a thing? Have you seen it, Mr. Wizard? Uh, I, I refuse to watch... Uh, movies that they remake out of Arnold classics. I know I've seen Predator 2, but I resent it because it doesn't have Arnold in it. But it's got Danny Glover and a wildly insane Gary Busey. It's a good Bill Paxton. But like straight to DVD ones, I find find no use in watching a straight to DVD Arnold sequel that came out that long after the original. Wait, uh, yeah, what's the gap there? How long did that come out after the original Kindergarten well, Cop? Well, J- Jingle All the Way was 2014, and Kindergarten Cop was right around the same time. So Wow. It's okay. like a 20-something year gap. Woof. Which is like, yeah. you know, like, why wouldn't you just think of a new idea? Because kids nowadays have not seen Kindergarten Cop for the most part. And, and Kindergarten Cop's a pretty good movie, but it's not like something that I'm dying to let my kids watch. Bite your tongue. It's a fantastic movie. Don't you ever blaspheme Kindergarten Cop on this podcast. I'm sorry. It's just not one of my favorites. My kids have seen Predator, though. So, I mean, well, I make sure that in Conan, I make sure they get their thorough and proper Arnold training. Just Kindergarten Cop's not on the list. I My my son can absolutely repeat, crush your enemies, see them driven before you. Hear the lamentation of the women. I don't think he understands what the words are, probably, but that's all right. Well, I hopefully mean, not the last That's part, the only no. point. That's the only point of having kids, right, is to teach them the Conan speech, right? Right. Yeah. And actually, my favorite part of that is actually the the lines before it from Ra. The open step, falcon at your wrist. Fleet horse, the ah, open step, it. falcon on your wrist, no the wind in your hair. Wrong. I fear my children will not understand me. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, also, fun fact, Oliver Stone, one of the writers on Conan. There you go. Moving on. John Milius, if you're a fan of his, watch the documentary about him. It's awesome. Uh, number three, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jim Belushi, who is the chief huckster mall Santa, were also no strangers to each other. What action classic were they co-stars in, in together? Santa. Was it a... Red Heat. Boom. That is correct. Trump's a new one, finally. Yeah. I see yes. by Backdoor Santa. No it, stranger to each other. Yeah. Backdoor Santa. In full disclosure, the only reason I'm familiar with Red Heat is because I believe Mr. Wizard owned that on DVD. 
I do own when it. When we were in college. I do own it. The highlight of it is when he goes into the bar at the beginning and breaks off the guy's leg to reveal the drugs, then throws him out a window. <laughs> and you know what? Charlie Wax approves of that. And the bad guy in that movie is the bad guy from 48 Hours. He was sort of typecast as a bad guy throughout the 80s. I don't know his name, but you'd recognize him. So bonus, though, for two points. You guys are tied now, I think. Unless we're assigning Captain Cash the red heat. But I'm not going to give it to him because you just said it without even hearing the choices. So we're, we're tied. Two points. What other Arnold film did Belushi appear in as himself? Last Action Hero. Correct. <laughs> he is at the premiere of Jack Slater 4. Boom. Yep. Wow. Yep. Slater 4, which also... Who else is at the premiere? JCVD. I wish I could have been at the premiere of Slater 4. I, I win a booster toy. You win a booster toy and uh, also a detachable hand. I can't promise nice. you can put it back on. Number five, Mickey's Diner, where Howard and Myron uh, share their impromptu drink and then trip balls into the fever dream for the rest of the movie, <laughs> also appeared in this all-time sports movie classic. Is it A, The Mighty Ducks, B, Rookie of the Year, C, Little Big League, D, Hoosiers, or E, Mr. 3000? I can repeat those if necessary. Hoosiers. Uh, I'm going to go with Rookie of the Year because I have no clue. Incorrect. Now, Little Big League was supposed to be the one that led you off the scent because that's based in Minnesota. But guess what else is based in Minnesota? The Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. The Minnesota Miracle Man, Gordon Bombay. Uh, Uh, Charlie's mom works at the diner. It is a real staple of downtown St. Paul, Minnesota. It's been there since 1937. I, I did not know that. I assume this movie was filmed not in Minnesota. They just had establishing shots of the Mall of America, but this was legit filmed in Minneapolis. So they filmed large... Quack, 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 Mr. Ducksworth. They filmed large portions of it in Minnesota and then finished up things uh, basically on sets in California. So like the warehouse where he fights okay. the Santas, stuff like that, yeah. the parade... So for two points, right on. you can tie here now. That's your only chance. And I, this is not multiple choice. Sinbad and okay. Phil Hartman. Wait, no, no, no. I just pulled ahead. Yeah, you're up by two. So you can win outright if Chumzilla uh, can't get either of these. Sinbad and Phil Hartman were also no strangers to each other. This was the third and final film they appeared in together. What were the other two? This is a tough one. Back to not... Santa 2 and 3. I'm not going to lie. My, my Phil Hartman filmography is pretty weak. My fondest memories of him are still from SNL. And, of course, his, uh, his voice work on The Simpsons is Lionel Hutz. And Troy McClure. And Troy McClure, yeah. Ah, I'm Troy McClure. Okay. Um, I'll give you hey, one. Give us some hints. Give us some hints. All right, so the one... Sinbad is pretending to be a dentist that Phil Hartman's character went to dental school with. The other, they are both not the direct stars of, and it's based on a famous SNL skit with Dan Aykroyd. Oh, Coneheads. That is one. Coneheads is better. They're on Coneheads. Phil Hartman is Marlax. Sinbad plays a guy named Otto. Yeah. Okay, and so then he's a dentist, dental school. Yep. Who's, so who's the star in that one? I'm assuming it's, they're the it's two a stars. Sinbad vehicle? Well, they're it's a, it's basically... D- dual billing? Yep. Okay. Sinbad is on the run from some unsavory types, and he takes up shelter in Phil Hartman's house pretending to be his old roommate from dental school. Clearly Martin Lawrence wasn't available, so we got Sinbad. Okay. Hey, Sinbad owned the 90s. You ever seen Unnecessary Roughness? Second best football movie ever? Maybe the best. Is that, is that where the one where Kathy Ireland's the kicker? Yes. It is. That's the only part of that movie I remember. Yeah, I'm going to have to concede this one to Captain Cash because I can't pull the win out. All right. With a final margin of three to two, Captain Cash wins the movie was Houseguest. 
Oh, vaguely recall that. I, uh, yeah, I, I remember, I the plot. but not I couldn't think well. of the title. I do remember the scene where he accidentally rubs the Novocaine all over his hands, and his hands go numb. That's one of the, the 90s scenes. The lawless wasteland of film. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we're doing recommendations, but this recommendations is special. It's our top five Christmas movies. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, uh, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. This is our final segment. It is our recommendations. Each of us are going to go through our top five Christmas movies. Chumzilla, please elaborate. All right, so <clears throat> just to switch up the format a little bit this week, since this is a holiday movie and the director and producer have a lot of holiday movie DNA in their uh, careers. We wanted to just do a quick top five of our favorite holiday movies, some of which actually, you know, inspired this one a bit. And I'll start off. Uh, let's see here. Number one for me is a classic and also a box office flop. It's a Wonderful Life. All right. That to me, that is the classic Christmas movie. And uh, of course, it stars Jimmy Stewart and the lovely Donna Reed. And fun fact, you also get a brief appearance early in the film from Carl Alfalfa Switzer, you know, of you our game. Do that next year. I've actually never seen it, so I'd be willing to do yeah. it. Uh, I mean, it's probably on, I mean, it's yeah, on it's literally every movie. year, and I've never watched it. It's a good movie. And again, it's sort of similar to this one in the fact that you have a, a guy that's trying to redeem himself as a father and a parent for, for slightly different reasons. But it's a classic. I love it. Uh, number two for me. Again, similar theme, Christmas Vacation. You got Chevy Chase as a working man trying to make right for his family. Goes off the rails. Fun times. Possibly one of the greatest Christmas songs. Hip, hip, hooray for Christmas Vacation. Oh, I thought you were talking about Holiday Road. I I did mean Holiday Road, but that's fine. Well, Holiday Road's for the first one, though. It's in the first one. Yeah. But oh, it, it works better in the second one. I agree. I'm I'm with you 100, percent Captain Cash. It makes more sense and works better in the second. Movie. They have a legit well, theme song for Christmas Vacation. Well, too hammy for my taste. Uh, number three, A Christmas Story. Okay, again, this is this is a Spider-Man Far From Home prequel, but uh, the kid, the kids in Far From Home, the, the, Ralphie. Oh, that's right. He didn't get uh, his guns, was, so he decided to make weapons for <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal. Tony Stark. Yeah. And then, and then Jake Gyllenhaal. And th- that movie's great. And again, another one that's on constantly, but it's a major award. It's a major award. Um, number four, the dark horse of the group, Gremlins. Hey, I'm all for that. Hey, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people forget, much like Die Hard, Gremlins is a Christmas movie. People tend to forget. And uh, coming at number five for me, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the 1966 version. Still classic. I love it. I, you know, I, I've never seen the Jim Carrey one. I don't care to see it. I don't need to see it. I don't it's want to see it's it. It's nightmare fuel. I, I actually own the sweater from that Jim Carrey film. Yeah. Uh, the, the sweater is the best part because nothing is going to beat Boris Karlov going, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. That, that's the Christmas song to me. Yeah. I, I love that animated one. It's great. But that's what I got. On a side note, I just watched the new Grinch. And I just don't think they ever needed to remake this, let alone twice. That's just my feeling of the Grinch. The 66 mm-hmm. one is perfect. I and don't, it holds up. It, I, yeah, I it, just don't it, get it. It still works. Yeah. Nothing, nothing about that movie doesn't work today that still worked in 66. Timeless. Yep. Okay, also, yeah. Boris Karloff is spectacular. Yeah. 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 Captain Cash, your list. All right. So my top five uh, coming in at uh, five is going to be Iron Man 3 because I absolutely fucking love everything to do with the Marvel Universe. And uh, Shane Black really likes Christmas and directed and wrote that film. And it is set during Christmas. It is not a Christmas movie. It's my list. I can do what I want. Fair enough. Uh Number four is going to be Christmas Vacation for me, for reasons already stated. Uh, number three is going to be a new one uh, that just came out this year, Klaus. That's on Netflix. 
it's a uh, it's really good. I it's a hand animated thing that is given lifelike shading. So it's kind of like the reverse of Paper Man, if that makes sense. You remember the short from Pixar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which is an and awesome effectively, short. Oh, yeah. with, the, with the paper airplane. Disney yes, Plus, exactly. get on it. Where, yes, yes, yeah. seen it. Where that that's computer animated to appear hand animated, and Klaus is hand animated to almost appear computer animated. It's very beautifully done. It's got, um, is it Jason Schwartzman? is one of the main characters. Klaus is played by uh, J. Jonah Jameson, everybody's favorite. Uh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, thank you. Uh, who else is in there? Rashida Jones. A bunch of people. It it really, and it, it kind of does a, it does a little bit of a Batman Begins with Santa Claus. But it's a, it's actually a really good movie, and it's one of those things. Oh, that, I'm excited for him training at the Ninja Academy. Listen, I think it might get a little insensitive to the Sami people, but I don't I don't know enough to say that. But again, if you're if you got Netflix in an hour, definitely check that out. Hmm. Um, my number two is gonna be How the Grinch Stole Christmas, but since we already took that, I will give it to Shazam, uh, because that was a good ass Christmas movie too. Shazam is a great movie. I, that's probably my favorite DC film since The Dark Knight. Set at Christmas time, all about family. Set in Philly, it's a winter thing. It's definitely worth watching. It's a low key um, Christmas movie, but it works yeah, exceptionally well as a Christmas movie. Yeah. At this point, I think you guys would consider the thing a Christmas movie because it happens in snow. Nah, no. First of all, Iron Man three. And Shazam are explicitly set around Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I count Gremlins too and Die Hard for that. I mean, I, I'm I am in the Die Hard is a Christmas movie camp, and that but, is my number one. Yeah. Okay. And I I know that is a take as cold as Christmas in Norway, but no, it counts. Uh, the, it counts. That's the movie we watch every year. I watch every it year every on Christmas year. Eve. You put on Die Hard. We watched Die Hard. It's a great movie. It influenced basically all the action movies for the next twenty years. Yep. Yep. It's including it's ones really we've had fun. on this pod. Right? Sudden yeah. Death is a Die Hard knockoff. It was a man in situation A faced with B. He That's trapped. the John Claude Van Damme movie. Yep, Ho- hockey based guy trapped yeah. in Here this Pittsburgh. Place. Everybody. Yep, it was filmed in Pittsburgh. The, the igloo no longer exists. Uh, Listen to that episode. I highly recommend it. I dug up a lot of interesting facts about that because I love not only hockey and John Claude Van Damme, but the Pittsburgh Penguins. So my Christmas, the original Predator, folks, in reverse order. Uh, firstly, I will say, honestly, you could cheat and do all Shane Black movies if you wanted because he generally yeah, sets cool. his movies in Christmas. It's a uh, very evocative time. Lethal Weapon, for example. I don't know what it is about Christmas, but more power to him. So number five is this movie. I'm not sure if I adequately described why I love it so much, but this movie is just a lot of fun. You can turn your brain off for an hour and a half. It's stupid. It's over the top. It's ridiculous. But Arnold's having a blast. He's a very underrated, in my opinion, comedic actor. And just, yeah, just go with it. I don't think there's been a comedy movie he's done that's not in some way entertaining because of him. I I think the whole Arnold as a family man thing is an undermined uh, element in his movies. Because him just doing normal suburban husband stuff is funny because he's so freaking big like it just it's entertaining and when he tries to be docile and domesticated you can't help but laugh because that's john matrix like your brain can't fully disengage from that it's believable you're not it's not like you can't believe it's him doing it but back of your head there's still something kind of funny seeing arnold just being a dad i stand by that's why cena works so well in cock blockers uh john cena also Fantastic comedic timing. He's going to be a big star. He really does. 
Also, uh, listen, I, I know we're not trying to do, here are huge dudes that are funny, but The Rock is actually maybe a really good actor? He's pretty charismatic. He is. He's, he's a good comedic actor. Yeah, uh, a good example of that would be Pain and Gain, which is or a Michael Bay movie that is a Michael Bay movie in every sense of that term. But the comedy portions of that film with The Rock, Mark Wahlberg, and Anthony Mackie as cartoonishly large and steroided out bodybuilders is why that movie is fun to watch. I wouldn't say it's a good movie, I, but... I'm just talking about Jumanji's one and two. Yeah, but that like that's a movie where you don't expect it. And you're like, holy shit, this guy's really funny. Like, he's really good at this. Mm, fair enough. Number anyway. four for me. Number four for me, The Night Before, which is a movie with Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and the aforementioned oh, Anthony yeah. Mackie. If you have not seen this... It is hilarious. Three guys every year, the night before Christmas, go out and they get wasted, all in hopes of finding this legendary party. It is a drug-fueled, just pedal to the metal. It's incredible. And Michael Shannon, as their high school drug dealer, wins everything. My, you, Michael, you mean Zod? Zod yes. is their high school drug no, dealer. It's a good movie. I was thinking Molly Shannon for a second, yeah. and I got confused. I just you, discovered this movie last year. I'd heard about SNL. it. I hadn't seen it. I watched it, and I'm like, this is like legitimately a movie I'm going to watch every year. And now it's it's part of the, the ritual. Part of the rotation. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar. When did that come out? Mm, four or five years 16? ago. Yeah. Okay. Not that long. Was it... But, Got theatrical release. Oh, this yeah. is not a straight yeah. to video oh, yeah. deal. Yeah. Okay. No, it's this is a good I am not movie. Familiar. Okay. Uh, number three, Christmas Vacation. We've all talked about it. it's great. Number two, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. There is my lone Shane Black entry. This was a movie that helped restart Robert Downey Jr. as a legit leading guy. He he was sober. He was clean. He's fantastic in this movie. It's the last best Val Kilmer movie as Gay Perry, the gay uh, private eye that he works with. It is a noir-esque movie set in the early 2000s. It's fantastic. Watch it right now. Another, I mean, like The Good Guys. That's another Shane Black one. Fantastic. Like, he just knows how to write those types of movies. And I'll add here, quick plug for you, Mr. Wizard. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a movie that you owned on DVD back in our college days, and yep. that's the only reason I saw it, because you had it. I've never seen that movie had it not been for you. I bought that movie based upon a review I read. I think it was by Richard Roper, maybe. That could be wrong. I read one review. I said, I'm buying this movie. Went out, bought it. Never regretted it. I've watched it countless times. It's fantastic. The dialogue, the interplay, the wordplay is it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Very sharp. Yeah. Roger Dorn, Corbin Burnson makes an appearance. Great movie. And number one for me, Die Hard. That's I watch it every year. Here's the thing. You want to have fun with Die Hard? You could do this with any movie, by the way. It's a Christmas drinking game. You take a Santa hat. You put it on the corner of your TV. Uh... Anytime somebody looks like they're organically wearing that Santa hat, you drink. We do that with Die Hard every year. It's, it's the movie. And all I got to say is, ho, 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 now I've got a machine gun. <laughs> so that is each of our top five Christmas movies. Uh, we thank you for listening. I'm really happy we did this movie because I do love it. Uh, we're going to return post-New Year's with our top five comic book films of all time, not just Marvel or DC, of all time. I've got some homework to do because I'm torn on a couple of things. I have things I need to rewatch before I throw them in my top five. There's certain ones that are obviously irremovable. Like you can't get rid of them. They're just there. It's going to take a lot to get them out. They're dug in like an Alabama tick to quote predator. Uh, yeah. Like spawn and tank girl. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The road to perdition. I can go, I can go on. So the history of violence, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I mean, geez, that's oh, one that could movie. easily be top five. I love that movie. I love it. You know what? It's very entertaining. I will say I still, that. I, I, and he I, and he beats up Captain America and and Superman. Superman. Um, and 
And TJ's in that too. It's milk and eggs, yeah. bitch. Oh yeah. Um, hey, I will say this though, uh, Mr. Wizard, you've got to watch. Please, your homework must include watching. It's a Wonderful Life. It's on TV. Just take a moment, watch that movie. It's classic American cinema. And I forgot to mention this earlier. I want to get this plug in. The producers at Sesame Street will swear up and down this is not true, but you'll never be able to convince me otherwise. The cop and the taxi driver in <clears throat> It's a Wonderful Life are named Bert and Ernie. You can't tell me that's not where we got Bert and Ernie from on Sesame Street. I'm just are, saying. Are they also lovers? <laughs> it's not It's not um, as clear as in Sesame Street, but it's certainly, they are very buddy-buddy. So I don't think it's a, too much of a stretch to think that they might be pals. I'm just saying. But anyway, yeah, you got to check it out. Classic American cinema. Hello, Bert. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> if you would uh, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And remember, you're our number one customer.